Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, our purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. I'm Dr. Mike Cunningham, and I'm so glad you could join me for today's program. Well, I've got a lot of great response from last week's conversation about Christian education. It's often a misunderstood term people think about getting swatted with a ruler or being bored to death in some classroom. It's really about grounding ourselves in the faith. It's about passing our faith traditions from generation to generation to generation and acquainting ourselves with the truth of the gospel record. We can do this through family lineage. We can do this through church programming. We can do this through theological schools, but it is an integral part of our Christian life, one that we ought not neglect. For example, Christian education doesn't have to be institutionalized. You don't have to wear a uniform. It doesn't require certain architecture. If those methods are appropriate to you in your faith tradition, they're fine. But there's also other options for conveying the Christian faith to future generations and to those who are new to the faith. The main difference for Christian education is it's measurable. Did the information get conveyed in a systematic way that is understood, applied, and reproducible. There's many times when we are talking about faith matters that we have great emotional experiences, but there's very little to hold on to and to grasp onto. And so this is the aspect of doctrine, of scriptural memory, of retention, of central truths that undergird our other experiences and frankly help us discern what is of God and what is of us. How are we to discern a teaching or a thought if we don't have a standard to compare it to? That's why it's important that we don't necessarily feel our way through our faith, that we commit ourselves to be students of God's word, to understanding the central tenets of the faith, so we can then use that to build the worldview with which we live our life and with which we discern going forward what is good, what is pleasing to God, and what is purposeful in our life. It helps us say yes to the right things. It helps us say no to the wrong things. It instructs our conduct. It instructs our ability to forgive, to live our life, to move forward, to be healthy, to uh, treat others well, to share our faith. And that foundation is one that also keeps us from trying to do things ourselves. If we do things ourselves, we're just going to find frustration and we're not going to be successful. The Hebrew word for teach, which is translated in the Septuagint as the word didasco, occurs a hundred times in Scripture. We find it in places such as Psalms, Deuteronomy, Jeremiah, and the Old Testament usage does not primarily denote the communication of knowledge and skills, but rather centers on how one's life ought to be lived. Moses reminded people that he passed on the information that's then supposed to be passed on within the family dynamic. This is coming from Christian Education by Moody Publishers. William Barclay says, and the responsibility of teaching the child is something that the parent cannot evade if he is to satisfy the law of God. Barclay also adds, it was always to be remembered, Jewish education was entirely religious education. There was no textbook except the scriptures. All primary education was preparation for reading the law, and all higher education was the reading and study of it. Josephus said of Moses, he commanded to instruct children in the elements of knowledge 
to teach them to walk according to the laws and to know the deeds of their forefathers. That's from William Barclay, Educational Tools in the Ancient World. All that is to say is that our first preparation should come from home and from our home churches. As I alluded to last week, the parents need to be the primary spiritual influences in the life of their children. They need to be seeking out their own spiritual life and foundation so they can then pass it on to the next generation. From there, churches and other organizations come into play. As I mentioned last week, this episode, I'm going to speak about organizations like seminaries, the university level at the high school and middle school level. These are options that some parents explore for their children or some teens and adults feel called to. For example, some people see a Bible college right after high school as an option to ground their child in the faith right as they enter adulthood. Some people elect to send their child to a private Christian college where the liberal arts and the trade can be taught within a Christian worldview. Others see the opportunity to live on mission in their college campuses. That is a decision that each person makes within their family and within their calling. And I'm going to speak about calling in just a second. There could be differences of opinion on seminary, depending on your faith background. I have several seminary degrees. Myself, I found them helpful. But really, when I was asked, someone really got in my face and they said, Mike, why did you go to seminary? You could learn this stuff on your own. And I said, in my answer, it was obedience. I felt a calling to go to seminary. I felt that God was preparing me for some different ministry applications, and therefore, I needed to be equipped. My answer might not be other people's answers. Because, by the way, they kind of looked at me like, oh, there's not much to say to that. I mean, if you're called to it, many of us have different callings. Some of us are called to be in the marketplace. Some of us are called to be homemakers. Some of us are called to be ambassadors. And others are called to vocational ministry and or assuming the priestly functions of the church, such as an elder, deacon, pastor, etc., in those cases, I do recommend some form of formal theological education, if for no other purpose to equip you to be able to handle that kind of pressure and those kinds of responsibilities, to know how to biblically handle the elements during a worship service, to understand how to organize a worship service in a God-honoring way, to understand how to instruct others, to mentor others, to disciple others. There are some schools that fail to teach these methods. But in some cases, you're given a workshop-type environment where you can make some mistakes and you can learn and grow and do so kind of off the grid outside of the church environment to where you're able to get that practice and get that constructive criticism and feedback in a manner that's kind of a little more private. It's among your fellow students and your teachers and yourselves. And then you can make those mistakes and you can kind of do that growth off the grid that you're able to not bring those mistakes into the local church. There's been much conversation in, the, in recent decades about people who are hurt by church. And in some cases, it might be the inexperience of the leadership. There's also going to be some on-the-job training in the local church as well. I love it when churches administer discipleship programs and ministry leadership programs within their local body that is, in many cases, way more helpful and the seminary education becomes more supplemental. I'm very much in favor of that. Having said that, when you have those types of programs, the congregation needs to understand that there are going to be growing pains for those leaders and that those people who are in that program need to have humility and 
understand that they have not at their young age figured out all of life's questions and that they're going to have some times where they're going to have some growing to do. If those leaders are not defensive and if the congregation sees that as an opportunity to mentor and give them the opportunity to grow, there's some room for growth and there's some opportunity for them to really grow into that role. Having said that, when we're too lenient and too free with our church time where people who are observing this and they're maybe they say they're new to church, there has to be some standards in place to make sure that we're not, through our own immaturity and sloppiness, disillusioning people to the church and the gospel. My guess, my answer to you is, if it's important enough for you to do well, you should equip yourself. Whether that's online education, whether that is a vocational residency at a seminary, whether that is a church-approved leadership track where you're going to do your best, then you're going to be able to grow and get the equipping and the training that you're going to need to be successful for yourself, but also for that congregation. When you're new in leadership, or if you're in leadership at all, my friend, we all have to have humility, and we all have to understand that there's times when we may, as in our humanness, be less patient than we should, misspeak, you know, making difficult decisions that are on the fly in our leadership, and understand that there's times that we're going to make right decisions. And sometimes when I'm talking about making bad decisions, I'm not talking about something that's within the biblical canon that is a sin. I'm talking about judgment calls on, you know, what color something should be or what time something should be or other logistical issues there, how to handle a particular disagreement within the church body. These are situations where we must have humility and have patience and understand not only for the people, but also with the leadership that we can work together that as God is developing and growing the maturity of our leaders, God is also growing and maturing us as congregants, that we should be also less offendable, more flexible, more helpful, and more godly in our demeanor and our personal actions and habits. And therefore, it's not fair to just to put that all upon a Christian leader. But my recommendation for someone who desires to be a leader in the church is they should commit themselves to some form of formal education, whether that's at the local church level or whether it's from a theological school, just for your own benefit. And if nothing else, you'll meet other students that you'll make lifelong friends and you can call each other up and be supportive because sometimes ministry is difficult. There are times that criticism is going to come, that the pressures are going to be high, and you're going to need to draw upon those experiences for your success. When we don't know what to do, we do what we know. We default to our training in those situations. I feel also that we're at a juncture in the 21st century where some of the training that we've gotten, not necessarily in the biblical exegesis or interpretation, but in our methodology, might be phasing out. And no matter how old we are, no matter how experienced we are, we're going to need to always update our education and our skills so that we can navigate the world we're living in so we can minister effectively in the times in which we live and answer the questions that people have. Friend, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you to thoroughly vet whatever school, organization, ministry, curriculum, 
that you might consider for equipping yourself, especially if it's outside of your church body, because everyone's going to have a different view of ministry, and there's a lot of different theological bents. My recommendation is that you find a school that has a high view of Scripture. There's a lot of different philosophies that try to infiltrate our theological schools for their purposes, and that's not what that's for. A theological school, a Bible college, is to go and become rooted in the Scriptures, is to be rooted in doctrine and theology, the one that has a high view of Christian tradition and of the biblical canon. And if they don't do that, then in some cases you can do more harm than good. But in most cases, if you'll make a visit, if you'll check other people who've gone to that school or use that curriculum, I feel that you can make a wise and prayerful decision about how to equip yourself for ministry. So in review, Christian education at this level needs to be, if someone is feeling a call to ministry, they need to commit themselves to some form of preparation, whether at the local church level or at a seminary, theological school, etc. As approved by their faith tradition, one that is faithful to the scriptures, one that does not apologize for truth, and one that can support people as they are going to be taking on a lifetime of ministry leadership. Christian education is less about the buildings and the traditions and the dress codes as it is about equipping the saints for the ministry. And my hope is that those who seek, whether you're a deacon, an elder, a pastor, a missionary, Sunday school teacher, the questions are getting difficult now. And my recommendation is that for someone to take their Christian education seriously and that they get to become part of a tradition that goes back millennia. And as we continue to point people to faith, I hope that they'll turn to Christian education and equip themselves for the ministry. Thank you for being with me today, and I'll see you on our next episode of Lose Yourself. This has been Lose Yourself. Lose Yourself is a teaching ministry of Bible teacher, Dr. Mike Cunningham. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a production of Key Radio.